This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now are two guys from the That's So Craven podcast. I've got Elton and I have Sam joining me. And we're going to break down this huge, massive Fulham victory. Let's call it a smash and grab that brings Fulham to sixth in the league. And uh, we're going to be going through this in probably about an hour's time. And uh, before we go on any further, I want to welcome both the guys to the show. First, Elton, welcome back to Cottage Talk. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I really enjoyed the, our chat last time, and uh, what a great occasion to uh, to reprise. Absolutely. I thought this is the perfect time to bring you guys in. Sam, welcome to the show. You were not able to join us last time, but you are on today. So thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you very, very much to have, for having me. I, I enjoyed listening to them very, very much, and I desperately wanted to be a part of it and put my two cents in, so now is my time, and I, I'm very much looking forward to getting into it. Okay, excellent. Well, guys, before we get going and break down this match, always have to say please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. It does help other film supporters find us, and uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a review and a rating. It does help us get further up in the ratings for Apple Podcasts. Okay, guys, and just so you guys know, while we're doing this show, I actually have the replay on my screen, so I can actually watch back while we're talking about this. I'm about 20 minutes left in the match, and I can actually watch this. So it's actually kind of nice that I can watch this and talk to you guys at the same time. I think I've watched it, guys, twice already, full on through. That's how much I enjoyed it, even though... Others might think it's not enjoyable because Fulham didn't have the best performance, but it's still a victory, and I enjoyed it. So let me go to you first, Elton. I just want to get your opening thoughts on the match, and then uh, I will go to Sam. Tough, tough game. Um, My initial thoughts as, as I was sort of watching the first half was that this is not quite the game I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be um, probably easier on the eye and um, two teams that play in a very similar style uh, with very, very attractive football, but it wasn't like that at all. It was actually a very tough encounter for us. And um, it was a very, very difficult first half hour. And um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we, we got an ugly win, but we did the business and it's something that I'm very happy to see Fulham, you know, that, that we've developed that capability to actually, find a way to get get a game over the line and get the points okay well we're going to be talking about this in just a few minutes i'm going to share my thoughts and and also get both of your thoughts on the starting 11 but since we're talking about it wasn't the match that you thought elton i'm going to ask you this how much of metro not being in there potentially changed how this match was going to go because of his hold-up play oh big time um well you know i think we we talk a lot on our podcast about uh, I want to, I'm not going to use the word you know fine margins at all because we 
we're all a sick and tired of that one. But we're a very finely balanced engine and we don't have enormous depth like the other top four clubs. And so when you make a small change, it's very noticeable. And the, you know, not having Mitra up front is one thing, but actually having Bobby Decadova read out of position, yes, to me, was a, a huge thing. It affects the way that other parts of our machine works. And so, yeah, not having Mitro, I think being the talisman, he's an important guy to have on the pitch. Uh, not only his hold-up play, how he links uh, and, and drops deep and does that really cleverly, how he, he kind of instinctively knows how to make runs for different players feeding him. I think you forget when when you see other players trying to perform in that role for the way that Fulham play, I think you begin to have a deeper appreciation for what Mitro actually is for us. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Sam. I want to get your opening thoughts, but also please do chime in on this part of the conversation because uh, I was thinking about this while I was watching it and thinking about how we're set up. And like I said, we'll talk about the starting 11, but uh, I think Elton brought up a good point. It's an engine, and you basically changed the parts around a little bit here. Yeah. You move Bobby Deckard over Reed, and that affects him, and it affects bringing in Harry Wilson. It is fine mm. margins. I hate to use a Scott Parker phrase, but I'm going to. That we're dealing with because we don't have the depth. So I want to get your thoughts about the whole situation with Mitro being out and your opening thoughts on the match. Yeah, so um, – uh... I feel that we slightly underestimated Brighton. We talked to actually quite a lot about this in our podcast as well in um, the pregame and how um, uh, we were looking at their midfield and how it had the potential to overload ours. And we were very interested in what that competition was actually going to be. But I don't really think we were actually prepared for the way in which Brighton actually played the game because I'm actually quite used to seeing them as being quite counter-attacking side but they kind of actually reminded me of Croatia and um, I'm not sure if you guys were familiar with how Croatia played during the last World Cup but they have an amazing ability to essentially just drain the life out of teams essentially in possession and playing from the back and really just Brighton really excelled at just killing our momentum by overloading us and then essentially just playing from the back and that was the whole first half it was very very frustrating they also had a very, very good counterattack going on as well. Um, honestly, if it wasn't for Diop and Reem and Leno, I don't really know how that first half could have gone. I thought we actually did as best we could, given the circumstances. But yeah, I thought it was a bit of a misstep from uh, Silva, one of the few missteps he's actually done to not foresee that that might potentially be an issue. And I thought it was a bit of a faux pas putting Bobby Decadova read there instead of Vinicius. I've kind, of, I've kind I was going to get there, but yeah, yeah. yes, I'm glad that you brought that up now. Yeah. Like I've kind of since reconciled with the fact that I think uh, Silva really likes Vinicius as a super sub kind of role and essentially bringing him on later on in the game where he can be boisterous and be heavy handed and bring that energy in. I think that's, I think that's his mentality, but I can't, really justify what he was essentially trying to do. I think he was thinking it was going to be a more fast-paced touch-and-go kind of game. But, yeah, I I mean, we fixed it, but... We did. <laughs> yeah, we did. and that's the main thing. That's the main thing. And we'll talk about that because it was fixed in the second half with the changes, with the subs, because I think that changed the match for Fulham. But mm. back over to you, Elton, because I, I did want to focus a little bit on Brighton and Hove Albion. I'm glad that Sam brought up this point that when you look at Brighton and you don't talk about what they did, you know, because again, I'm going to mention what some of their supporters said about time wasting. And I think, unfortunately, when you bring up all that stuff and you talk about how you didn't, how Fulham didn't deserve the victory and all this and all that. And I understand being upset, but I think that you're not giving enough credit to your own side, Elton, mm -hmm. because I thought Brighton and Hove Albion made Fulham look the way they did. God, that Sam brought this up the way that they play. Do you actually, Agree with Sam, though, that maybe it was a misstep Absolutely. by Silva to not start Vinicius because, again, I, I've heard from many that said that they liked the decision to play Bobby Decadova right up front. 
Um, <clears throat> I saw somewhere on Twitter today, I think it may have, I didn't see Silver's post-match interview, but I I saw something where Silver effectively admitted that he was going to take one um, for the team there and it, admitting that that didn't actually work and he was responsible for that. Okay. Um, so I, I think we were talking about um, – in, in our pod earlier this this morning, your time, we were talking about um, what kind of message that sends to your backup striker that the manager's prepared to play someone else out of position in preference to bringing you on, Vinicius, and how that goes down, uh, just from a kind of a psychological point of view. Um Look, I think um, the two centre-backs that poor old Bobby Decadova-Reed was put up against were huge, yes. very physical. Um, when the ball came in in the air, he had absolutely no chance. They muscled him off the ball. It didn't feel like we were we, – we still looked like we were trying to play to a, um, a striker to hold up the play. Um, we weren't playing to feet or linking Bobby up in a way that he could have been very effective. So it was a bit weird. It's a bit strange. And I think um, quite apart from um, some of the things that were happening in midfield, in the final third, it wasn't working at all. Mm. I totally agree with that, Elton. And uh, like I said, we're going to delve more into it when we break down the match both halves as we get through this show. But um, before we get into that, I do want to talk about, I mentioned to both of you before the match that I actually listened to a replay of the final whistle on BBC radio Sussex. And it was a call in show that was right after the match. And I can't tell you how many phone calls I listened to talking about time wasting and cheating from phone and also talking about the ref. It was all about that. It focused all on that. So I want to go to you first Back over to you, Alton. I want to get your thoughts and I'll go to Sam because uh, I'm going to balance this out a little bit in just a second, talk about some things that I noticed from Brighton in this match. But what do you make of some of these claims by the Brighton Hove uh, supporters? Again, it's it's a handful, but I, it's also on Twitter as well, that the focus is on time wasting. Uh, well, firstly, to your previous point, I think it's a shame that they – viewed the game that way because their team performed incredibly well. Absolutely. Um, they they were so dominant for, you know, a huge percentage of the game. I, I can't remember, but I, I, I think at one point, maybe two-thirds of the way through the first half, they were probably up at 80% to 20% possession. And as the game developed, their number of shots on goal – was far in excess of what Fulham were able to achieve. So that 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 tells you that they're doing a lot of things well. Obviously, they weren't scoring goals. They weren't beating the keeper. But they were doing a lot of things well. We couldn't get the ball for an no. awful lot of the time. So it, it it's a shame that their supporters want to take that view. I mean, you know, we, we've had – and I think it feels like – um, frustration because the game was taken away from them in the in in the last few minutes. Right. Look, that's football. That's sport. We we've in a low scoring game like football, it's more likely to happen than other high scoring games where it's such you know in a one nil game. Obviously, it can happen to you, and it's very very, it's a gut punch, right? However, to then reflect that it's all about time wasting is a little unfortunate. We've, we've had this happen to us a number of times this season Absolutely. where we've mm -hmm. been beaten at the last minute and, and teams have managed the game. You know, what, what's kind of different to going to the corner and, you know, managing the game in the corner. It's this, this, there's no interest in playing the ball or losing possession. I know that's different to what, people are suggesting is legitimate time wasting and and it there is an issue here 
where it is mandated that if the ref um, believes or sees a head injury, he must stop the game. Yeah. That's just part of the rules. And obviously that's open to abuse because yes. you're not going to tell well, a player. That was the point that I was that, listening to, that they think that yeah. we were abusing that. Um, I, I, I'm not entirely sure that was true. I think, you know, there's one instance where Vinicius it looked like he, he was yes. drawing a long bow. He was drawing a long bow, but actually what happened, it wasn't in contact. It was actually a boot and some studs that he actually felt at the back of his head. I don't think, you know, big Vinicius at six foot two was in any danger of coming away with a lifelong paralyzing injury. But, you know, I think if, if, all players simulate and over over uh, over exaggerate. Unfortunately, I don't like it. I wish it wasn't there. But if someone grazes your skull with some studs, you're mm. probably going to want to tell the ref about it. Yeah. Right? See, I agree with all that. And I'm glad that you brought this up because time wasting, as I put up on the screen from Steve Reynolds, is something that all clubs do. Let's be honest. They all do it. I'm not a fan of simulation i don't like when our own players try to get calls i don't like it i'm gonna say it metro does it and other players do it i'm, I'm not a fan of that at all and i we've called it out on cottage talk however and over to you sam i find it disappointing that this is what i was listening to after the match because as elton said and i've already said i thought brighton hall valbion played really well and i thought that should have been more of the focus rather than time-wasting. And yeah. because I'm also going to bring this up because I went back and watching the match, and I, like I said, I've watched it a few times. How about the dive to win a penalty by Brighton Hove Albion yeah. in the second half? If you watch that back, be honest with yourself if you're watching and you're Brighton Hove Albion supporter listening to this. That was tr a simulation trying to win a penalty. There was mm. an opportunity late in the match, same thing, trying to win a free kick outside of the box. All teams do stuff like this. So that's kind of where I'm going on this. It's not why Fulham won the match. I think that's what we talked about this. And I think, unfortunately, that's kind of what I was listening to because Fulham deserved all three points, Sam. I don't care what the Brighton Hove Albion supporters say. They got the three points and they deserved it. Yeah, no, and I I, I think it's uh, that's a genuine shame that Brian are focusing on that because again, it's doing um, Brian a serious disservice. I was thinking for a long period of the game that if Brian have like a key target man, that is a top three side because their service was excellent. Totally agree. They're, like they, I mean, they got they scored two goals on us. They were just offside, so like they were basically putting themselves in all the right positions and doing all the right things. Just essentially, our defense was doing really, really well. Um, I I do also, and it's kind of an unpopular opinion of mine, but I do believe that we have to accept the reality that uh, diving and essentially um, hamming it up for the referees is kind of an integral part of the game because you can you can be a Roy Keane and um, say that people are snowflakes and other things for diving, but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, um, if somebody goes down and uh, receives a penalty, and then the exact same thing happens to you, and you don't react in the same way, and therefore you miss an opportunity for a penalty, it's like, what, what position are you putting yourselves in? So, and you actually, we've seen it in um, internationally in England as well, because England uh, have started doing that significantly more, and it's actually getting them to the point where they can play in the final of Euros and such. It's an integral part of the game, and it's not pretty and it's not ideal. And yeah, there's an ethical kind of conversation right. around that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's football. It's, it's no different to things like VAR. You can, you can want for a harder time when men were men and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's genuinely just tactics, isn't it? It's just, you can get upset with people for um, manipulating the rules or you can just do it. And I'm not going to criticize I'm not going to criticize Fulham and I'm not going to criticize Brighton either for essentially just playing the modern game as it is. And that can be unpopular, but that's just how I feel. I understand that. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I understand 
why it's being done. It's funny because again, um, with, with different sports over here, it's we'll call it this way, guys. It's looking for an edge. It's looking looking yeah. for any way you can to win a match. It's looking for an edge. And uh, my teams over here have been accused of uh, things too, and I haven't liked them. But it has always been about trying to win a game, win a match. So, and it's just part of uh, the deal. I don't have to like it, but it's part of the deal. It's part mm-hmm. of the sport. It's just, and it's not going to go away. Even with VAR, it's not going to go away. It's going to be, it's still going to be there. So guys, with that, we're going to put that aside. I do have one other topic before we talk about the starting 11. So Sam, I'll go to you first. I said this on my five takeaways. I said, Fulham now are in a position to contend for a European spot winning this victory. I thought that's changed the game because not only did they beat a team in the top six, Brighton, but I think they showed that they can be fighting for all the way up to six. I think now, am I wrong? Mm. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I'm a deluded fan. Like I want, I I'm thinking champions league. (laughs) I'm thinking we're going all the way. Like it genuinely in my brain, it's like logic has kind of flown out the window a little bit and I am staring down that barrel. Like it's, you know, if you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna dream, you might as well. I, I like we. I actually said this on a um, podcast that we did ages ago, um, uh, and again, I did actually slightly steal it from Tifo, so whatever. But the best thing about Arsenal is the fact that they have allowed themselves to be completely carried away with the narrative that Arsenal have um, uh, retaken their former glory. And if you're not prepared to get carried away, you're actually kind of not fully backing your team because like that is the beauty of sport it's delusion it's creating narratives it's it is is die hard following your team and believing that the impossible can happen i mean leicester arsenal there's countless examples now fulham i believe us (laughs) to be able to you know i'm not saying we're winning the premier league by any means but like if man, if there is a smidgen of opportunity that we can make Champions League, I I want to believe it. So like, I don't care what the logic is or what the numbers is, it's happening in my mind. <laughs> okay, excellent, Elton. You've brought up a believer, which I think is a good thing. He's a dreamer, okay, and he's I a dreamer. That. He's a dreamer, and, but that's and okay. That's okay. And that's fine, right? That's yeah. great. I'm a little bit more of a realist, but even in this case, I think it actually could be realistic now when i did my show when i talked about the projections from a very well-known website that does projections and has foam 10th i could see why statistically that looks like it could be how it ends up but it's okay to believe and i think with this victory i i don't see why they cannot contend however to your point fine margins do we have the depth to um i think to, to put the counter-argument, the, the absolute <laughs> kind of um, analytical argument on whether or not we can do this. Yep. As I, we were discussing this earlier as well. Um, it, to me, it's, it's a question of consistency now between now and the end of the year. And if one thing has defined this Fulham side is that we've not only been consistent, but I think we've got, better and better and better. Mm. And so barring injuries, barring something untoward, and I don't know what that might be, but I think injuries are probably our biggest risk given that we don't have the depth. And if you took two, God forbid, three players out of contention, I think that would change our prospects tremendously. But if we broadly kept the same team starting lineup and bench fit i believe that we where we are right now is about where i think we could finish that's great a a lot of pundits are saying 10th and we 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 all feel a bit deflated that that's four points lower than we are right now or places lower than we are right now but obviously it would still be a great outcome we didn't get relegated we absolutely um, were competitive, but but I actually do believe that, notwithstanding the fact that Liverpool could go on a run and collect a bunch of points, um, I don't see Brighton dropping off at this point. I have no idea what Chelsea are going to do. Brentford are in there. 
are we really going to overhaul Arsenal, Man U, um, um, Man City? No, we're not. But I really believe that if you look at some of the games we've got coming up, there's a hat full of points still left for this Fulham side if we yes. can keep it together. So I, I'm, I think we're. It's going to be really close. It's going to be so close. I'm talking, you know, top six here. And listen, I would love this, and uh, I love the fact that Sam's a dreamer because uh, there's a part of me that's a dreamer too, and uh, I try to balance sure. being re- realistic and being a dreamer. But I loved the European run that we've had i loved it and i would love to see it again so i'm gonna be with sam in some ways i'm champions like i'm not that delusional sam but hey you never know you you never know but it's funny because i think a team that they could potentially pass and i'm gonna say because one because i can't stand the side is uh, tottenham hotspur Uh, again they're not that great this year but i think for me it's going to come down to what you already said elton it's going to come down to health can they stay healthy to do this? Because they do not have a deep team. Let's call it what it is. But before we move on from this, Elton, and then I definitely want to break down the match, I think I think it's very important that they stay around this, Elton, because I want them to be able to tell the players and show the players that are still at foam to stick around beyond this season. I'm talking about there's now speculation with Anthony Robinson. I'm sure – Teams will come in for Polina, maybe even Pereira. Who knows? Maybe mm. even William might not come back, might go to a top six side. Who knows? I think contending for Europe and getting into a European spot could help with that argument for next season. You know, when you're languishing at in, in the lower third of the table, you're fighting for relegation, you're trying to present yourself as an attractive destination for transfers. You're trying to keep your players. You're trying to convince the owners to put more money in. You're trying to keep the fans are really tough about whether or not big teams are going to come along and pay squillions for our best performing players. I think Fulham's a great place to be right now for players. I think they're all really enjoying their time there. And Look, it's difficult to if, – if Man City or the big clubs come knocking and double your wages and and some, uh, th- this is big, big, big money and you couldn't blame them for wanting to move on. But that would be a very, very handsome return for Fulham. Yeah. And, yeah, we'd have to start all over again and buy players. And I, I don't want to see that because it takes a long time to build a unit that works as well as we're working right now. But I – I don't think, you know, I think part of what creates churn in a club is unhappiness uh, where players are there, they're earning a wage, but the moment someone waves a few more dollars in front of their eyes, they find it very difficult to leave. I think there is a loyalty there. I think one thing that happened last night, I didn't see this, but I read it somewhere today. When Solomon scored, Ream did not run to Solomon he ran to the bench to celebrate mm. with um, Silver, the, the 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 management, and the subs mm. for just you know yeah I, th- I think that says a lot yes so um, I'm, I guess I'm not anxious about it I wouldn't like to see it happen but it, I guess it's inevitable you know transfer in and out of clubs is is, is a part of the game. Uh, but I think we've got a lovely little Portuguese thing going at, at Fulham. Um, yeah, we we do, right? And and I think there's little Lisbon. There's, yeah, there's a there's a real little thing happening there, and I think there's a great deal of love and happiness. And you cannot. I was about to say you cannot buy that. Well, you can make an offer on it, but you're probably not going to pull it off. You know, you you, you can move up north and. And uh, you, you witness some of those miserable cold winters, and your, your wife's your wife's in in your ear about the fact that the shopping's not great up. I'm, I know I'm dumbing it down, but you know it's right. people love being in London. Players love love being in London. It's a factor. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's kind of the the home of English football. Uh, and I know that's a contentious comment, but it it is the buzz where there are more top teams in. 
within a few miles of each other, and there's something happening down there. Totally agree. Sam, I'll give you final word on this. The one thing I also want to add to this, because I'm talking about the players, I also want to talk about the manager, because I'm glad that Elton brought up how Tim Ream went to Silva and the coaching staff. Silva and the coaching staff are vital to Fulham's future. So I think the cons have to do whatever they can to have him sign a new contract sooner than later, because I think this is built around what he has built, not just him, obviously, the uh, people at the club, but uh, I think it's vital to keep Silva happy. And I think maybe a European run, knowing that they're going to be in Europe, will help with that too. No, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, again, uh, I'm just going to keep on shouting out our podcast, but uh, we did actually say it on a previous podcast before. That's so Craven, please listen. Uh, <laughs> please do, um, please do. Yeah, but we said it on a previous podcast, actually, um, how um, in terms of resource management, Brighton, Fulham, and uh, Brentford, the three best-run clubs in the Premier League by quite a significant margin, if you consider the amount of money that's been spent how well that it's actually been managed and their return on essentially what they've done. Um, I, I I am so truly fearful that we are going to lose Marco Silva at some point, like if not in the next year, maybe two years. It's like I'm very, very stressed about it just because yeah. I can see um, – certain clubs really salivating at that idea because I don't necessarily know how you would go with a top flight, top six team, because obviously there's a lot more politics that goes into that because you have to manage egos significantly more than you would at a lower table side. It's what Graham Potter is literally dealing with right now. Took the words um, out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and obviously like uh, as attractive as the idea of uh, PSG might be, uh, if a manager like Pochettino is struggling there, then you can only imagine what that would be like for him. So I love what's happening uh, at the moment, but the better the run is, the more eyes are on it, the more I'm slightly fearful. That's why I'm also quite happy that Brighton and Brentford are the sexier teams in the UK press kind of thing. It's like, take that, them take the spotlight and we can just casually creep up to six. And just on a slight segue, I'm so scared of losing Manuel Solomon at the moment, just because in just because in the last two games, just rewatching the highlights, yep. I'm like I I saw like peak Eden Hazard, and it's so. I've scary. heard the comparisons. I've he actually plays heard like that. him. He yeah. really does play like him. And like, I mean, oh, I mean, if I was Real Madrid, I'd literally be. Like out with the old and in with the new because like they they were promised something that they didn't necessarily receive and there is something there that probably isn't getting as much game time as they would like to. Obviously, they're recovering from an injury and they've said in pre-match, sorry, sorry, in post-match that yeah they're happy with their position and want to take things slow. But come on, Premier League players want to play, and so I'm so stressed about that. <laughs> that's that's well, my two cents. Well. Just want to bring this up because it's funny you talk about Manor Solomon. In this week, I'm going to have an episode with an Israeli journalist, Yuri Levy. Him and I are going back and forth to figure out when we're going to do this. But we'll be talking about the future of Manor Solomon. That's something that I'm going to be bringing up to Yuri because his contract situation, obviously, it's alone. But it's still very murky. I don't think anyone really truly knows what the situation is. So Mm. I'll be asking Yuri, when I get him on Cottage Talk, I look forward to it because I agree with you, Sam. I think um, better things are to come from Manor Solomon. So I think Fulham need to do whatever they can to uh, make sure he stays at Fulham for next season, hopefully and beyond that. But uh, it's a very interesting situation, so I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay, guys, let's talk about the starting level. We started the show basically talking a little bit about it. So, Elton, I'll give you first crack at this. You see the starting 11. And first things first, you notice Mitro's out. We already talked a little bit about it. What were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, well, I heard uh, whispers. I think Jack picked it up on a a forum a little earlier on, um, just before the team was announced. And my initial thoughts actually were that, like Chelsea, Vinicius would be selected to replace um, to replace Metro. When he wasn't, that surprised me. 
and I wondered how that would go, and we've discussed that a little bit. Um, no surprises to me. Um, well, Harry Wilson starting actually was a surprise to me. Um, Willian being in the starting 11, not a surprise, although I had also heard noises that he may have been injured for this match. Um I think the back four are picking themselves at the moment. Absolutely no question about that. Um, I think it's fascinating that Diop is no longer part of a rotation with nope. with Tosin. Diop's the man, and yep. and he really is. Uh, and he proved it again last night. But, um, yeah, surprised. I, I was surprised to see Bobby selected up front, and I wasn't entirely confident that that was going to work. It's funny, Elton, before I go to Sam, my thought was not against this opponent. I just didn't think it was going to be a good way to go against the team that they were playing against. I thought they needed someone that, like Vinicius, even though there are people that have issues with him, I actually thought he had two key touches in this match. We'll talk about that in the second half. I think his introduction, along with some other subs, changed the game. Whether you like him or not, I think – there is a value to what he does. Would we wish him to be better? Yes. But I looked at this and I'm thinking, I don't know if this is the right match to have Bobby Decadova read up front. That was my first thought. Sam, how about you? Well, I mean, uh, we've we've seen it through the Scott Parker days. Like we know yeah. that Bobby can um, play striker, but I I I was very confused by that. Um I we 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 have a group chat between us and literally i just i just said a swear word because i was just very confused by it i was and i was a bit drunk at the time i won't lie um, so i was very very taken back by what that was about i was like this this isn't 2019 um but yeah it was it was odd i didn't get it i feel that i, and I touched on it before but i feel that silver was expecting a very very different game i, I i'll be honest i'm not a a avid Brighton watcher of their games. I've respected them and I understand that they're a very, very good squad, but I don't think he was expecting them to essentially sit back as much as they did and essentially just kind of retain possession as much as they did. Um, and kind of just overload us in midfield as much as they did. So I was possibly, he was thinking that it was going to be a bit more of a nippy kind of game. Um, where there was going to be lots of opportunities for interceptions and such. I don't know what Silva thought that it was going to be, but I think we can safely say that Silva was wrong. Um, right. In the few times that he has ever been wrong, he was sure. wrong. Um, uh, and I have spoken at length. I'm a really big Harry Wilson fan. I love Harry Wilson. I, I want the best for Harry Wilson in all in everything that he does at the moment. But God bless Harry Wilson. He's not he's not what he needs to be. Um, I've said it on the podcast before. I think he needs to go out on loan somewhere, find himself, go on Kentucky, come back with three tattoos in the top knot and just be a different person. And like I want that for him. And I believe that he will come back. But I, I really don't know what Silva was thinking, selecting Wilson, especially when Bobby's actually been so strong on the right-hand side. I... Yeah, I was I was I was very dumbfounded. I kind of listened quite intensely to um, the podcast that the guys did earlier because I wasn't there just to see if they could find some reason in it. I'm not sure if they really did, um, but I really like Vinicius. I really really like Vinicius. I really like what he does. I'm actually quite a big fan of him. He started the season very very we can say very poorly. He right. he just wasn't Premier League ready, and that's fine. But I really think he's actually come into being a really, really important asset, not even just as like a backup striker. I think he adds a lot when he plays. He's really strong. Um, Jack and Dad actually uh, touched on the fact that we do kind of play like he's Mitrovic when he's not Mitrovic. That's a flaw. But I really think he does add a lot of value. And clearly he is well-liked in the side because he gets a lot of the ball. Um, the guys are really happy to pass him and actually... They have trust in him. I think that's really, really important in a team because if you don't trust your players, you're not going to pass them. You're not going to include them in the game. And, um, yeah, he proved he proved again tonight that he does have worth. He had much better hold-up play than Bobby did. 
I know his touch isn't as good as Bobby, but he set up a brilliant goal from Mano Solomon. Absolutely. And I think he added a lot more across the park, even aside from just decking somebody in the back of the head, which I'm sure we'll talk about. <laughs> okay. Coming up next, we're going to break down this match. We're going to analyze both halves, and we'll end with Man of the Match. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, guys. Elton, I'm going to start with you. Let's just talk about the first half. And I thought Sam did a great job of just uh, talking about how this match played out with Brighton, how potentially maybe Silva thought it was going to go a different way. Because especially in the first half, Fulmer under pressure, it seems like, the entire time. So through your eyes, you know, again, they created several opportunities from the get-go. I don't want to go through all their opportunities, but what's your analysis of the first half here? What did you notice? And do you think Sam got it right with uh, how the match ended up playing out? And maybe Silva thought it was going to go a different direction. It very much felt to me like it was one of those days where luck is just not on your side. I don't think we did that much wrong, but the ball wasn't dropping for us. I know that's not a very analytical perspective, but there's something in that. Um, a lot of the time, Brighton would lose the ball and somehow recover it, ju- just because. Um, there were a, a number of times where Brighton would knock the ball around in triangles in defence in, in quite a risky way, and we, we nearly made a couple of interceptions, which could have been deadly but we just didn't quite get to them. Um, I, I I feel like even the pitch, we didn't adjust to it very quickly. It's much slower than Craven Cottage, the surface, and we're very used to play on, on that skiddy surface where we can whip the ball around at pace. A, a number of balls just seem to be a bit un, under hit, and we, we to take nothing away from Brighton because they did it really well, um, we just couldn't get into the game. We couldn't get the ball. We couldn't get the ball back. And when there were 50-50s and the ball spilled out, it just didn't fall in our path like you'd expect it to do half the time. It just didn't. And, you know, those are those things that happen in sport and you've just got to stick to your game and keep sort of punching away until such time as something happens, someone finds a moment of brilliance to get you back into the game and then on you go and you're back in it. Someone does something brilliant and it lifts everybody. Um, and <laughs> there was there was none of that for us really to speak of in the first half, but we stuck to it. We defended incredibly. Um, the number of really impressive interceptions that Diop made, yes. the number of times Tim Ream read the game so well, and uh, I mean, there was one time when, and I, I think that was in the first half, when he kind of s- fell over, s- slipped over in a tackle, quickly got himself to his feet, and in a blink of an eye, passed the ball straight down the middle, and found found his man. Yes, and actually turned turned it over, turned it over so quickly, and um, so wh- whilst we. We couldn't really start anything of, of of any meaning in the middle. We had very few shots on goal, if, if any, in the first half. They struggled to be effective. They had so many opportunities and kind of squandered them. Um, and I don't know if that's luck or just a lack of quality, um, but... 
No, sorry, I've lost you there. I just okay. No problem. I will. I will go to Sam. Sam, I want to get your thoughts on the first half, and uh, I think your father did a wonderful job of breaking this down. One of the criticisms, again, that I listened to is that Fulham played a low block and that they were playing everyone behind the ball. And but I heard Silva after the match; he was disappointed by how the match played out by the performance. I don't think he intended that to go the way it went. And I think that's more of a reflection of how Brighton played because I think Brighton made Fulham look this way. And uh, I think every time I hear this stuff, I think you're not giving enough credit to your own side. What are your mm. thoughts about the first half? Oh, it's very interesting. You're building up uh, that kind of piece of analysis by Silva, especially just talking down his side for lack of a better word. Um, I thought Brighton's pressure on all of us was excellent. Um, I thought um, their off-the-ball play was nothing short of top three, top four. Um, yeah, they missed, they missed their chances, but they completely nullified uh, any opportunity for us to play our game. And I think as well, you could probably argue Silver kind of uh, stopped us from being able to have our game with uh, the selection that he chose because... Yeah, if you put in, if you put in Bobby in that position, and you're already dealing with an overcrowded midfield, you're you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Uh, and yeah, the the first half was Brighton's. There was there was no two ways about it. They it it was their game. We, I mean, if like if anything, playing uh, the way that we did actually negated them ever so slightly. Um, yeah, but yeah, the the goals that Brighton didn't concede, that's on them. You can make the argument for time wasting and all that other stuff, but I think at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, uh, as a Brighton fan, you can be frustrated with the result, but I don't think you can criticize your team too much, and I don't think you can criticize the referee as well because I'm a big, I I, I like they were when big, referees. They were very critical of the ref. I'm just yeah, but you. I like I like when referees can stand by their decisions and go, nope, I do not believe that that is right, or I believe that that's fine, and really not be bullied or pushed around kind of thing. Because I'm I'm very much of the mindset that if you're fifty fifty on something, you just give it. So if you're not unsure whether it's um, a penalty or not, you're more likely to just just give it because it. It's always better to do than to not do. Sure. Um, uh, and by the same by the same token, though, if you are one hundred percent sure, I like that even more. Okay, I'm going to share this comment back over to you, Sam. We'll get your thoughts on this. BDR up front makes me think Marco thought we would need speed on the counter. This is from Black, White, and Fred. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's what he thought, but again, that wasn't what we needed. Um, and yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be the unpopular one to say it, that silver was wrong, but also silver's barely ever wrong. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on silver for slightly messing up a game plan, but, and again, fixing it. That's the key thing. He fixed it exactly. because lots of managers would just essentially bury the head and just be like, well, I didn't think it through, but no, he fixed it. And that's the main thing. Okay. Excellent. And that's going to have us go to the second half and over to you, Elton. I want to, just focus first on talk about the second half, but I do want to talk about the subs because I think this is where the match changed for Fulham, bringing on Vinicius, bringing on Solomon, the moves that they made here. I, I think by Silva realizing, and what's good about this is that I always like a manager that decides, you know what, I'm not just going to do what we do. I'm going to have to change things up to change the match. It's still a goalless match and he makes the substitutions. What were your thoughts on the second half, but really about the substitutions here. Am I right that this is what changed the match? Uh, well, yes, obviously, because the goal scorer was the man who came off off the bench. So without question, that changed the match. Um, I still had a feeling that he could have made that substitution earlier, given that we needed to find a way to change the game. And I know it's a bit of a broken record because it, I, I, it's not an original thought, uh, or comment um, that it's. I think it's fairly widely held and felt 
that Silva tends to make his substitutions quite late. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of this comes from a place where I think many of us, if not all of us, are feeling that we would like Mana Solomon to have more time, uh, if not start. But to that, just, just going back a, a little, what I part of obviously we're in this predicament with Mitro injured, so what do we do? We could have played Vinicius. We go with Bobby Decadoverid up front, which therefore exposes right wing. We've got to play someone in right wing. He chooses Wilson. And to me, the unintended consequence of that move exposes the, you know, we talk about counterattacking and, you know, using Bobby Decadova Reed in, account, in counterattacking moves. But Kenny Tete and Bobby Decadova Reed are so often oh. integral to those counterattacking moves actually beginning. Great partnership on that side. Absolutely brilliant. And, and that was not happening. I mean, it wasn't happening for Robinson and, and William as well, to be very right. fair. Uh, but, you know, we weren't getting going. We, we, we weren't transitioning from defence into attack to actually get those moves going. So that just didn't happen at all. Um, but, yeah, look, um, I – and, and, and well, let's not talk about the man of Solomon, whether he should start against William, um, because that's a tough one with William playing so oh, yeah. well. How do you drop William, you know? Who's going to do that after his last few outings? He had a quiet game yesterday, but you can't complain that he's starting over Manor Solomon, really, when you really think about it. Um, no, look, but to answer your question, um, I I like Vinicius and I like his energy. He's not he's not top shelf, um, no. but I think he. He's, he's pretty good, but just not great, right? And I think he makes an awful lot of runs. We were talking about this in depth this morning on the podcast. He makes a lot of runs where I think his inexperience doesn't really consider the variation of the different sources from where he's about to get the ball. And he makes the same run every time and finds himself sometimes just a half a yard out of position and just not in that right position to 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 be in a scoring position. But, hey, he's busy. He's really great at holding up play. He unsettles defenders. He's physical. He's got a lot of energy. I think he wants the ball. He's one of those strikers who, who screams for the ball. He wants the ball. He wants to be involved. But make no mistake, this guy's been involved in two very, very good goals. Yes. And one of them was last night. And his vision to uh, to know and see Manor Solomon free and release him was, one, one, his reactions were very, very quick, and two, it was perfect. It was, Elton, and that's going to lead me to go over to you, Sam, and I want to talk about the goal. It's because it's all leading up to this, and I'm glad that Elton did a great job talking about Vinicius. But, and I said this on my five takeaways, and one of them had to do with the goal, but it wasn't just about Mano Solomon. It was about Tim Ream. It was also about Vinicius, because if you look at this, Kenny Tete gets dispossessed, I believe, and then mm. it has to be taken off by Tim Ream. Great pass, and and this wasn't the only time that Amazing. he gave a great pass right up the middle of the pitch. He did this a few times in this match. Be, to be able to do that in the split second, find Vinicius, and then Vinicius to make that decision, as your father just said, to have the vision to see the breaking man or Solomon in that time frame, to be able to do it that quickly, set up man or Solomon for a wonderful strike, a powerful strike. It's not just about the goal for man or Solomon. It's about the teammates that led up to it. Mm. Oh, well, um, it used to be the biggest separation between Tosin and Tim Ream, the fact that Tosin actually had a very, very strong long pass that was able to essentially get us up the pitch really, really quickly. Tim Ream, has, I mean, I've said it a thousand times, like the man is just ridiculous. Like he's 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 aged better than a fine wine. Unbelievable. Like, he's, yeah, he's like a pair of like Levi's, but actually gets like <laughs> just 
just getting better as you wear them every single time. I love Tim Ream at the moment. But, like, yeah, it's just, it was ridiculously, like, it, it, just, it just, like, in the space of, like, two seconds, just covers, like, 50% of, like, the pitch. Just a beautiful, a beautiful through ball. Again, split second, his his mentality and his foresight at the moment is second to none. Um, obviously, like, you can quip uh, Pep Guardiola saying if he was 25, he'd be playing right. at Man City. Um, uh, and, yeah... I don't actually think it's an amazing pass by Vinicius, um, but uh, yeah, he he knows he knows where he knows where. No, I don't think it's an amazing. I don't. It's a it's a great bit of vision. I don't think it's an amazing pass because Mano Solomon's just he's just incredible. Like he's so he's so good. Like he is. He I I genuinely believe that he he's fully top shelf because um, it's it's not the most amazing service. It's it's a. It's a good piece of vision from Vinicius, but it's not an expert piece of play. But what Solomon does with that play, and again, shades of young Eden Hazard, it's he. Oh, he's just really good, man. He's so good. <laughs> like I'm so stressed about losing him because, <laughs> gen- like, he is. He is. He's Barcelona quality. He is Real Madrid quality. Yeah. He is. He is Bayern Munich quality. I I can't think of a Champions League side that wouldn't be able to utilize him. So again, that just adds to my strength. He's such a beautiful goal, like just beautifully whipped in like in like the corner of the net. Just so expertly done. Isn't that like? Isn't he right footed as well? So that's off of his left foot. He takes like one touch before that. Doesn't even need to essentially like balance the ball or like take another touch Sam, to let's keep this in consideration i'm sorry to break in that there were yeah, three yeah. or four defenders around him oh yeah just 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 pace completely outpaced them like just oh, he's just fantastic he's so fantastic i'm like really i'm fully behind the united church of <laughs> man solomon okay uh, he's he's so good man he's really good okay you know Excellent. you know when people just take away like your ability to articulate he's just that good <laughs> Well, you did a great job of talking about that, my friend. All right. We will be talking about man of the match in just a second. I want to end with talking about that. But, Elton, I just want to get your thoughts on how this match ended. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. And uh, I'll ask you both this because uh, this goes back to what I was listening on the radio. How many minutes of stoppage time do you think there should have been? Oh, got me there. Um no, I'm I, I'm going to say pass. I, I I can't actually remember in enough detail, uh, Russ, to be to make a fair assessment. Okay. But uh, how many were there? Were there six? There were minutes? six. There were six minutes. Yeah. Do you think that was yeah, a fair I, amount? I think I think it was ample. I don't think there needed to be more. What I what I would say, if I may, sure. I think um, that sour grapes and frustration that brighten a feeling. If you, if you get to the heart of what they're saying, if Fulham did indeed waste time, what they're asking for is more time. That's exactly to what have they're another, asking for. To, mm. They're asking for more time to have another opportunity at Correct. scoring a goal. And if, I, if, you, if, if they were realistic about how efficient they were on the basis of the number of shots on target and the number of goals scored, even one more shot may have produced a goal, but based on their on their performance last last night, probably wouldn't have. Exactly, and that's my point, Elton. And I heard someone mention ten minutes. They wanted it mm. to be like the World Cup. They wanted yeah. ten mm. minutes. So that's why I wanted to bring up how many minutes do you think? I had a friend say six minutes was just about right. How about you, Sam? Before we go to the man of the match. I, I actually really like what they did in the World Cup. I really like stretching it out for as long as possible and giving teams that opportunity if they need to. With that being said, as um, we saw with the World Cup, there's probably only maybe about three games where teams needed more minutes. I feel that Brian had all the minutes that they needed and all the minutes that they had. What they had, uh, McAllister had his free kick attempt uh, in the sixth minute. 
that was their opportunity. Yeah. I don't I don't believe they would have scored if they got like a further a further three minutes, even a further four minutes. Because honestly, if like you're missing that free kick, I think you're deflated because in your brain you're thinking that's the last opportunity of the game. You could have given them an extra four. I don't think you we would have actually they would have actually done what they needed to do. That's just my personal opinion on it, though. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, let's end with man of the match, and uh, I'll be curious who you think is man of the match. I do want to, we haven't talked about this, but uh, Elton and I want to definitely touch on this right now because we are going to be mentioning who we think is man of the match. I don't know if he's going to be your man of the match, but I mentioned this on my five takeaways. A big takeaway for me was Matoma. I thought Kenny Tete did an extraordinary job on Matoma, so I think he should be in contention for man of the match. Your thoughts on that and your thoughts on who was your man of the match? We we have a, a running joke with these defenders in that every week they perform so highly that we're almost overlooking how outstanding they actually are performing. Kenny Tete, for me, last night had a really, really good game and he kept a dangerous, you know, a couple of opponents down that side pretty quiet. So that, that says something because that's his job. Um, I, I think he played well, but I would give it to, I'm going to give it to, to, uh, Bert Leno, uh, because I think with, without keeping us in the game, not, not that most of the shots were directly at him, but you've still got to stop them. And he had, he had plenty to do, uh, in the first half and without him actually, and he, and he also not just shot stopping, he came out and nullified a couple of really, really dangerous moves, um, which was very, very high quality. So without that, I think we would not have come out in that second half um, feeling like we had an opportunity. I, I, I've got the feeling that if Brighton had gone in 1-0, we may have struggled to catch them. And I think you could have been right there, definitely, about that. So you're going with Burn Leno. I have a lot of comments I'll be sharing in a second, and many of them are Leno. How about you, Sam? Mid of the match. Um, I almost want to give a joint one. If I'm thinking, if I'm being serious, if, 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 if I'm being serious, I would probably want to give a joint one between Issa Diop and Tim Ream because I thought they were excellent and extremely integral to basically denying a very, very strong Brighton attack. I mean, Matoma literally wrote a thesis on dribbling. Like that's, that the guy knows what he's doing and he's good at it. And uh, I thought they played an excellent part of essentially stopping all of that. But if I want to think with my heart, I'm picking Manor Solomon because, again, he was <laughs> he was incredible. And he came off the bench after like four minutes. And I want Let's Solomon. Let's call this the Manor Solomon show. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board the cult. I'm in. I'm in. I, I love him. I think he's fantastic. Um, so, yeah. Serious okay. answer between them. But, yeah. I'm okay. Solomon. I love Solomon. Okay, I'm going to share some comments. This is from Neil Stewart. I thought last week's man of the match was hard. This one is even more difficult. Leno, Solomon, Reem, Diop, BDR. Uh, I'll go Leno. So we have a uh, comment for Leno. Leno, uh, Wayne Wallen says man of the match, Diop. Carl says Leno 100%. Let's see, Let's see if Black, White, and Fred says Leno for man of the match. Would love to give it to Manor, but wasn't on for long enough. Shout out. To the whole back four, though, and I think that's what you just said. Friend Steve Reynolds says Diop. So we have good amount of uh, different players there, and that just shows you that it wasn't just one player that was uh, had a very good performance. I'm gonna go with Burn Leno, uh, like you were saying, Elton. I, I I think that Fulham aren't in this match. I'll, you know, if they score, so I think he was vital here. So I'm going with Burn Leno, but I don't think you can go wrong with any of what the foam supporters were saying. Guys, I'm going to end the show, but my my Lord, this went so quick. This hour went so fast. I can't thank you guys enough. Before I say anything else, please do go to That's So Craven and subscribe to the podcast, fantastic podcast, and listen to their latest episode, Breaking Down This Mess. So, you can hear them twice. I would highly recommend. And you also hear Jack, I believe, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jack couldn't make it on this episode, but hopefully we'll get Jack back on soon. 
But uh, guys, I just want to thank both of you for doing the show with me. I hope you enjoyed it. First to you, Elton. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure, Russ. Um, it's very kind of you to invite us. Always happy to be here. And uh, there's obviously plenty to talk about and, and, and plenty to enthuse about. And uh, let's do it again. Absolutely. Sam, wonderful debut. I'm not going to change the name of the show to the Man of Solomon episode, but thank you so much for uh, coming on, and I hope you enjoyed it. No, thank you so much for having me. Genuinely, it was an absolute pleasure. We um, really genuinely appreciate you actually giving us this opportunity to be on here, share it with you. It's excellent, and I know it means the world to me, my dad, and Jack, and yeah, we, we, we hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed it, and you guys are making me want to uh, visit Australia really bad now. So, so thank you <laughs> for you know. It's funny. I, I've always had a fascination with Australia, and um, it's like I have to find a way to go to Australia. It's a, it's a long journey here from Massachusetts, honestly. But maybe somewhere, sometime in my life, I will get to Australia. Anyways, great show, guys! Fantastic show. We do have to wrap it up. As always, everyone, thank you so much for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. And also, please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. My name is Russ Goldman, and thank you so much for my co-hosts today, Elton and Sam from That's So Craven Podcast. And we will be back soon with another podcast. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, now part of the TalkSport Fan Network. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.